Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast. Kind of in unprecedented time right now. NBA has put a halt to the season. We're looking at at least 30 days with no basketball. Commissioner Adam Silver has announced that They'll reassess after 30 days due to COVID-19. Rudy Gobert testing positive for the coronavirus. NCAA tournament, both the men's and women's, not only canceling the conference tournament, but the March Madness. NIT, XFL postponed or really put a halt to their season. So really not even a postponement. They've kind of put a halt to the season due to COVID-19. They've announced that players can sign with NFL teams. So really the sports world has, has kind of taken a back seat to the health and safety of everyone. Not only the players, the organizations, but the fans. To everybody, be safe. Make sure that you are washing your hands, the hand sanitizer, that you're being smart about, you know, the interactions of social distancing. You know, it's very important, you know, in this day. And so you look at the NFL draft and it kind of is secondary to the health and well-being of everyone. But I think it is important to continue the podcast and I think the really the biggest thing is is you know we need this. You know we need to be able to talk about these things. We need some of that relief and some of that you know, be able to take our attention elsewhere, so that we're not always you know it, we, if we dwell on COVID nineteen and, and what could potentially happen and, and where things are going and the, and the pandemic. You know we're gonna we're gonna drive <laughs> excuse me we're gonna drive ourselves crazy, and I, I think. It's important to talk about these things. So we're going to continue our podcast. We're going to continue to talk about the NFL draft all the way up until April 23rd. NFL draft right now is set to take place in Las Vegas, Nevada. April may be a little too too soon. We may see the NFL push it back. Or if they do have it in April, we may not have an audience. We may not. The NFL draft may not be what we're used to seeing and we really don't know. We really don't know what to expect with the NFL draft, but look, the NFL right now, you know, we're still kind of in the early stages of all of this. We don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks. So the NFL right now, I think it might be a little premature to make a decision on the NFL draft, but I think in the next few weeks, they will have to make a decision. You know, you look at the MLB, they've already put a stop to spring training games and they've pushed back, the start of the major league season. So we could potentially see the NFL push back the NFL draft if they want to make it an event and a spectacle because, look, what they're talking about in Vegas sounds like it's going to be epic. But health, safety of everybody involved is paramount. So there's always a chance if they do hold it in April that this is an NFL draft unlike any that we've seen before where really you'll have some announcements but I don't even know if if the players would be there. I don't know if, if the fans would be there. So I really think that if the NFL, as we're approaching April, 
they may push it back into May. Unprecedented, but at the same time, I think it's it's worth it that if they're looking at wanting the fans to be able to experience this and the organizations and really carry out the NFL draft as we know it, I can absolutely see them, you know, pushing it back, you know, and uh, sometime into May. And, and, you know, I, I think at that point, if they can't really host anything with the draft, then I think it's, you know, they'll end up holding a, a draft without any fans, which would really be be kind of awkward. But, you know, that's kind of the, the times that we're living in right now. Um, you know, we talked about the Warriors and the NBA potentially playing without any fans. We saw that in Europe, soccer teams playing without any fans. So it's always possible but you know we're going to think positively i think you know it, it's good to have hope and you know hope that we will have an nfl draft and actually have an event that people can go to and really enjoy be able to cheer on their teams cheer on the draft picks and uh you know either way the nfl draft is always going to be fun and i'm going to be here every step of the way getting you ready for the draft so that's what we're going to do we're going to go ahead and take a look at the draft. We're going to take a look at my first round mock draft. I've got the first round set. We may even take a look at my second round. I'm, I'm kind of putting that together as well. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into the NFL draft, shall we? So we talk about the Cincinnati Bengals sitting there at number one. And I think this is really a, a se- you know, 2019 was a season of transition for the Bengals. You know, for 16 seasons, Marvin Lewis at the helm in Cincy. Led the Bengals to the playoffs seven times, including five straight, you know, 20, uh, 2011 to 2015. But sub-500 sub, sub 500 record in each of his final three seasons. Zach Taylor comes in and, uh, you know, after a 6-10 and 10 record, ends up with a last place finish in the AFC North. Um, you know, Andy Dalton having just a dismal season. And it uh, looks like Andy Dalton, obviously on the way out. Zach Taylor needs to get his quarterback of the future, the face of the franchise. And Joe Burrow, look, I mean, he swept all the awards. Uh, you know, we've talked about it before, but you know, let's let's do that one more time. Uh, led the country in passing yards with 56.71 completion percentage with 76.3 pass efficiency at 202 passing touchdowns at 60 swept all the major postseason awards including a record-breaking landslide victory for the Heisman Trophy dominated the college football playoff completing 68.1 percent of his passes 956 yards 12 touchdowns no interceptions including seven touchdowns in the first half of the game against the Sooners. So when you look at this, you know, his story is remarkable. The backup at, you know, at Ohio state comes to LSU looks like a, you know, a late round pick at best. Joe uh, Brady comes in, brings the offense from the saints and the change is, is incredible. And and you see a, a kid very confident in, in his ability, doesn't have the best arm, but a guy who just know very efficient, knows where to go with the football, reads the defense very well. If you're blitzing off the edge, he's going to go ahead and, and throw where that defender is not. Very intelligent, intelligent player, throws receivers open, hits them in stride, allows them to make plays after the catch. Uh, you know, a kid who didn't really make a, a whole lot of mistakes. You know, and it was one of the, you know, he was ice water in his veins, never really got rattled. Clemson got to him early on in the title game. He settled down, the team settled down, his quiet confidence there really settled the team down, and 
you saw what happened. LSU beating Clemson for the national title. So, you know, Joe Burrow makes a ton of sense here. You know, he's the kid from Ohio, the Ohio native. You know, he's he can very well be the guy that's going to take Cincinnati to the next level. And he's got Zach Taylor, a former quarterback himself, you know, a product of the Sean McVay coaching tree as well. Uh, so I think he'll be in good hands. You know, the next, you know, we're looking at number two with Washington Redskins. Could we have Josh Rosen 2.0? Dwayne Haskins drafted number 15 overall by the Redskins last season. A lot of people talked about that being Daniel Snyder's pick, the owner's pick. Well, you know, you replace the, the head coach. Jay Gruden is out. Ron Rivera is in. Could we see, just like uh, Cliff Kingsbury coming in in Arizona, says no to, to Josh Rosen, brings in Kyler Murray, a kid that he recruited at Texas Tech. Could we see that again with, with Tua going to Washington? It's entirely possible. And, and I think really what ended up solidifying things for Kyler was the fact that they, before the draft, the Cardinals wound up trading Rosen to the Dolphins, which set the stage for Kyler Murray. So we really have to keep an eye on whether or not Dwayne Haskins will be on the move prior to draft day because that's really going to be an awkward quarterback room if Haskins is on still on the roster if they go after Tua. I just at this point I don't see it happening. What I really see is you've got a guy like Ron Rivera. I think it's a little bit of overreaction with him talking to uh to the quarterbacks, doing his due diligence. Um you know when you look at at Ron though, um you know a guy who took Carolina to four playoff appearances including Super Bowl 50 um, he's a defensive guy. You know, he wants to bring some of that toughness that he had in Carolina defensively uh, to Washington. Brought in Jack Del Rio. His defenses are known for being quite stingy. Um, you know, you look at at this team, and you know, Ryan Kerrigan is a name that you really look at. And you know, this guy was a, has been a staple on the Redskins defense. You know, 120 straight games with a start before a concussion kept him out of the lineup. Ultimately, a calf injury sent him to the IR in January. Uh, still managed five and a half sacks, but the 31 year year old is, uh, you know, going to be a an unrestricted free agent. You know, I, I think Kerrigan returns and, and plays at a high level in 2020. He's got Montez Sweat, who's looking to build upon his rookie season, but. Chase Young is is a difference maker. I think Chase Young is going to make that entire defense better because he is a game wrecker. 16 and a half sacks. Teams really geared their defense around stopping Chase Young. And when you look at him, he was more explosive than than Joey Bosa and, and Nick Bosa, frankly, there for Ohio State. You know, the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. You know, this kid was number four in Heisman voting, you know, he was a Heisman finalist, was there in New York, fourth overall in terms of the Heisman voting. And the guy who just, he wins with his hands, wins with speed, wins with power, incredible flexibility for a guy his size. And, you know, eight pass breakups in his career. So he does a good job getting his hands up. Um, you know, FBS leading seven forced fumbles in uh, in 2019. So he's a guy who's not just looking to sack uh, the quarterback. He's looking to make a play, looking to make a play on the football. Those, those strip sacks are incredibly important. Changes the whole complexion of a, of a lot of games. Yes, he had the two-game suspension, but it was for a you know an NCAA rules violation. He admitted to taking a loan from a family friend. This was really so his girlfriend could attend the t- uh, 2018 Rose Bowl. And this was a loan that he repaid in full. So that's why ultimately he only got a two-game suspension. When he came back 
A lot of people really beat him up over the last three games of the season because he didn't have the the multi-sack games like he was really known for throughout the season. And, you know, I'd still argue that his presence was felt on the game, you know, each of those games against Michigan, for example, you know, just driving the right tackle, Jalen Mayfield back uh, off the ball, quickly disengaging, chasing Shea, Shea Patterson from the pocket. Later, Juan with quick hands against the left tackle, John Runyon, uh, got a quick hit on Patterson as he threw the ball down the field in the Big Ten Championship. Young beat uh, Wisconsin left tackle Cole Van Landen off the edge, actually hit the arm of the quarterback Jack Cohn to pop the football up in the air. And then in the CFP semifinal, uh, Young had his way with, with right tackle Tremaine Ankrum, who I think is going to end up being a, a nice, sneaky, good uh, day three pick in, in the draft. Kept his balance on a cut block, flattened out, pressured Trevor Lawrence from behind on one play, then beat Ankrum inside on an option play, held his ground, contained Lawrence before throwing him down. So he didn't fill up the stat sheet, but he definitely made his presence felt. And that's one of the things. He's not always going to get to the quarterback, but he's always going to make a play. He's going to make other guys around him better. That's why I think Chase Young ultimately is going to be the guy. I think you look at Tua and you know the hip, everything's supposed to be checking out, but man, if I'm Washington, I already have Dwayne Haskins on the roster, a guy who was supposed to be the face of my franchise. Tua and the injury concerns. We'll be talking about that here in just a second, but man, you know, all the injury concerns, you know, this is a kid who you know, when he's healthy, he plays really well, but can he stay healthy? Chase Young, you know what you're getting there. Detroit Lions. I've got them taking Jeff Akuda. Jeffrey Akuda, the, the cornerback out of Ohio State, 6'1, 200 pound junior. And, uh, you know, this is a guy, you know, I look at the Lions, and the Lions coming off a 6 and 10 season and Matt, Matt Patricia's first year. Um, you know, in, I'm sorry, in 2018. And then they, they started off the year 2 0 1. Matthew Stafford threw for 831 yards, six touchdowns, just two interceptions, four different receivers, had 100-yard performances during that stretch. Defense racked up 10 sacks and two interceptions as well. But then in the final 13 games, Lions just won one game. Stafford battled the, sm- battled the small fractures in his back. Uh, season ended. You know, Defense managed to... Uh, tack on only another 18 sacks and five interceptions. So, you know, things really uh, kind of came to a halt there uh, for the Lions, really lost any momentum. You know, they uh, tied for last in the league with just seven interceptions, uh, 28 sacks, tie, you know, tied them for 29th in the league, um, you know, 31st ranked defense. And, you know, really with Stafford, he was still, Lions were essentially a, a top 10 offense, even with Stafford struggling with his back. Uh, so the Lions, absolutely, I think this pick has to be uh, on defense. And while I don't think the linebacker position is is their number one need, I think they're going to keep a you know a, a close eye on Isaiah Simmons, six four two thirty eight out of Clemson. The linebacker plays all over the field. We'll be talking about him here in just a minute. Um, I think you have to to look at that as as consideration. If for whatever reason Tua ends up coming off the board at number two, then Chase Young has to be the pick here. Um, you know, would really take pressure off Trey uh, Trey Flowers. Um, so I think that's a possibility. You could also see Derek Brown out of Auburn, the defensive tackle. Uh, you know, that could also take some pressure off of Trey Flowers as well. Um, but I'm looking at the cornerback position. I, I think the reason why it's Okuda, uh, they were talking about trading Darius Slay. Um, even if Slay's on the roster, um, I think he'd be the perfect complement to him. You know, you've got a, a 
Amani Oruwarie, um, who was a fifth round pick, came on late in the season. Uh, expectations still high for slot corner Justin Coleman. Didn't have a great year last year. I think if Darius Slay is gone, then this is absolutely Okuda. Um, if for whatever reason Slay is still on the roster, I think you still need that other lockdown corner on the opposite end. Really solidify that secondary because Oruwarie could be uh, you know your third corner on the outside with Justin Coleman there in the slot. Uh, you know Okuda, you know the the skills. You know, he has the, the the size to be you know physical with the with the big receivers. Um, has a sub four or five speed required to handle the vertical speed as well. Very patient at the line, staying square. Doesn't uh, you know get too over anxious. Allows the waits for the receiver to commit before really turning his hips and running with the with the wide out. Uh, gets his hands on the receivers early to jam and reroute off the line. Uh, you know he, he does a tremendous job using the boundary as another defender, pinning the the man to the sideline to eliminate any separation. Really sticks like glue to the wideout. Physical blanket coverage. That's really what the Lions need. You know when you're dealing with uh, you know Devonte Adams there in in uh, in Green Bay, and you're dealing with the likes of of Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs in Minnesota, and then you know if if the Bears really get going. Um, you know, you, you've got Trubisky when, when he gets, gets going, he's got some receivers there with the bears as well. Um, you're going to need some corners there. And, you know, if you get into the playoffs, there are a lot of good teams with a lot of good receivers in the NFC. You know, you've got Michael Thomas and, and Drew Brees there in new Orleans. You know, you're talking about Russell Wilson and, and his bevy of receivers there in, in Seattle, Jared Goff and company, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, you need to have that secondary lockdown. And I think, you know, getting Jeffrey Okuda in round number one will allow them to then take a look at some of the other areas on defense um, on day two. I think there are some defensive linemen that they could pick up on day two. And and we'll talk about that in in the coming, uh, coming weeks. New York football giants sitting there at number four. And look, Dave Gettleman, um, you know, has a decision to make. You know, he's got Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, uh, productive weapons for Daniel Jones. But you know, could this be a spot where either C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy co- uh, comes off the board? Not likely. Although you know, he did take Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones in consecutive uh, drafts, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, you know, you look at a, a player like uh, you know Jeff Okuda. You know, if he does fall. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at that, you know, the, the secondary really struggled after Janoris Jenkins was waived during the season. DeAndre Baker, uh, you know, struggled at times. Um, so, you know, I, I look at that. They're desperate to find a number one corner. Okuda could be that guy. You look at Isaiah Simmons, the jack of all trades guy, like we were talking about. I think he's another guy that, you know, you can play anywhere on that, that line. I'm sorry, in the linebacking core. And when you, you've got the tight ends. You know, there you look at the raw the the lineup of tight ends that the Giants are going to have to play from from George Kittle to um, you know to Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard twice uh, to um, Mark Andrews. You know you can na- keep naming them. You know OJ Howard, uh, David Njoku. Uh, there are a lot of tight ends, and right now. Um, you know, Alec Ogletree is a free agent, and even if he's brought back, he's not the cover guy that uh, Isaiah Simmons would be. So I think you have to take a long look there. But if you're taking a quarterback, Daniel Jones, in round number one, 
you have to protect your investment. You know, you also have to have a guy who can block for uh, for Saquon Barkley. And what I'm looking at here is an offensive tackle. You know, Mike Remmers is out uh, at right tackle. We know Nate Solder is going to be playing the left side. Um, who's this going to be? Is it going to be Jedrick Wills? Is it going to be the mammoth uh, Mackay Becton? I got Tristan Wirfs penciled in here. 6'5", 320. Uh, the junior just put on a show at the combine. You know, Ran a 4'8", which is super fast for an offensive lineman. Set a combine record for offensive lineman with his 36.5-inch vertical leap. Broad jump of 10 feet, 1 inch. Uh, you know, this is the same guy who also broke Brandon Sheriff's record with uh, his 450-pound hang clean that he did easily uh, for three reps. You know, if you haven't seen the video on, on YouTube, definitely look it up. Um, this is a guy who's a, a very easy mover. He, you know, he can move into guard. You know, his primary position was right tackle, though. Um, you know, he actually even filled in for Alaric Jackson for a time at left tackle. So he's very versatile and he's really quick. Uh, out of his stance, you know, very powerful with his hands, um, you know, pretty good agility as well. Um, I think he's kind of solidified himself as the the number one tackle right now, in my opinion, because of of the athletic ability. Um, you know, he, he's an an Iowa offensive lineman, so you know they're going to be technically sound. Um, I think he can be a, a guy who can be a plug and play starter at right tackle uh, and really take care of Saquon Barkley. And Daniel Jones, and then you know the Giants can really look at at uh, you know linebacker position in in round two, I believe. Uh, so the Miami Dolphins sitting there at number five, you know it, it's very possible that Washington could be looking to try to get a, a team to trade up to potentially try to get Tua. Um, you know, Tua, you know, the, really the the draft, in my opinion, is going to start at number number three with the Lions. I think the the Lions could still get Jeff Okuda. Uh, at number five, Miami trades up to get uh, to get Tua. You know, if you remember, Miami started the tank for Tua phenomenon um, coming into the 2019 season. Uh, Miami wound up winning five games. You know, you look at it, and uh, you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick. He said he's coming back for for 2020. So Tua. Uh, doesn't have to be completely healthy. Um, you know, I know he's working everything back. Everything looks like it's on schedule, but he doesn't have you know doesn't have the pressure of having to start right away, uh, which is I think is key. I think it's critical. You know, the you know you look at Tua the the lefty man. You know he bursts onto the scene. You know as the as the freshman throwing that touchdown pass to Devontae Smith uh, to beat Georgia in the national title game. Um, you know the the the, the next year, just really a, a tremendous season as well as, as a starter. Um, you know, but here's, you know, he, he completed a touchdown pass in, you know, every 7.86 pass attempts through over 20 uh, touchdown passes in each of the last two seasons before throwing his first interception. The anticipation is off the charts, throwing his receivers open, knows where, where to go with the football, takes what the defense is going to give him, uh, and, and doesn't really try to force the football. Just a guy who's really, uh, really calm in the pocket, uh, very subtle with his movements as well. I think if there's anything that can get him into trouble at times, it's not seeing the entire defense. He'll miss the linebacker or a corner who's uh, just kind of baiting him, sitting on the routes, undercutting the route, and, and making a play on the football. So seeing the entire field might be an issue. But really, the biggest thing is, you know, he had a, a lingering knee issue. Um, you know, he slid against uh, Missouri, sprained his knee. Um, but it's the ankle injuries that are really 
Both of those had a tightrope surgery, you know, well documented there to really strengthen uh, you know everything there in the ankle. Um, and then obviously, you know, against uh, Mississippi State, you know, rolling out and ultimately having two linebacker, or I'm sorry, I think it's a lineman and a linebacker fall on him. Ultimately, you know, he, he has the the hip injury, you know, the posterior wall also damaged as well. And, uh, you know, really you're talking about all of these injuries in, in uh, really in the last couple of years, you know, this is a kid who just can't stay, seem to stay healthy. A lot of it is, is really outside the pocket. You know, this is a kid who's going to try to extend the play, really try to make a play down the field. So he's going to buy as much time as he can. And that's really what's gotten him into trouble. I remember Bryce Love at Stanford. This was a guy who always would be looking to try to bounce it outside. And a lot of times he was running laterally to ultimately find his hole and get up the field. And what was happening was defenders would end up coming in and, and, and attacking his legs, attacking his ankles, and he kept having that same high ankle sprain re-aggravated over and over and over again. I look at Tua, he's going to have to stay within the, the confines of that that pocket a little bit more because all of his injuries have really been when he's escaped, escaped the pocket, when the play is broken down, when he's trying to extend the play, that's where those injuries are taking place. And so that's one of the things that I, I really worry about for him is can he be durable n- enough, but Miami... Man, you know, Brian Flores, you know, he's got three first round picks. I think Tua has to end up being the guy here. Uh, the Chargers sitting there at number six. I wouldn't rule out an offensive tackle here. This is a team, they've already uh, agreed to trade Russell Okung to Carolina for Trey Turner. You get a guard in there, you lose your left tackle, right tackle Sam Tevy. You need an upgrade there. I could see this being Jedrick Wills. I could also see it being, uh, you know, if you're looking for the right tackle. If you're looking for a left tackle, I could absolutely see him uh, being Makai Becton. But with Phillip Rivers gone, you know, and and what's really awkward is, you know, Rivers was really a fixture under center for for the Chargers. Started 224 games, uh, you know, 235 if you count the playoffs in a row since September 11th of 2016. I'm sorry, uh, 2006. So what direction do you go there? You know, with, with him, you know, you've got Tyrod Taylor on the roster. Uh, do you bring in a, a veteran or do you ultimately say, you know what, I'm going to go with the quarterback? Um, you know, could we see, because it was a number six pick last year where Daniel Jones was taken ahead of Dwayne Haskins. Could we see that again this year with Jordan Love potentially leapfrogging Justin Herbert? It's absolutely possible. I'm just not ready to jump on that bandwagon just yet. I think Justin Herbert is is a kid who you watch him and people talk about his leadership abilities, you know, and, and I, I really don't see this kid. Um, you know, I, it's one of those things to where I think people are talking about him because he is so soft-spoken. They talk about him not being a leader, but Marcus Mariota was a guy who was very soft-spoken as well uh, there at Oregon. And, you know, he ended up being the number two overall pick. So it didn't really bother teams too much. So why Justin Herbert? You know, it's one of the things that, you know, the NFL Network and ESPN talked about how at uh, the Senior Bowl and um, at the Combine, players were gravitating toward Justin Herbert. So there's a special quality there about him. And it's one of those things, you look at what Herbert did early on before Mario Cristobal took over. First true freshman to start at Oregon since 1983. Uh, Second game as a starter. School record, six touchdown passes. 
the following week, he accounted for a school record 512 total yards while also tying Bill Musgrave's record for passing yards in 19, uh, set, that was set in 1989 with 489 yards. 12 touchdowns in three games equal the mark set by Joey Harrington in 2000 and Mariota in 2012, both of whom were taken in the top three of their respective drafts. Now, Herbert did battle some injuries in his first two seasons, uh, you know, struggled a little bit with accuracy in, in 2018. Uh, but, you know, 2018, 2019, uh, you know, Mario Cristobal was really looking to to run the football. You know, that's really, you know, that physicality. And Justin Herbert really wasn't asked to do as much. Didn't really have to because he had five uh, legitimate uh, NFL players there on the offensive line and, he was going to ground, you know, grind things out, especially with that that stable of running backs uh, there at, at Oregon. So, you know, when I look at this, um, you know, he 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 eclipsed a three thousand yard mark, and uh, you know, thirty four hundred and seventy one yards to be exact, thirty two touchdowns, just six interceptions, and yes, you know, his inter, you know, the short to intermediate throws, he would struggle with some of his accuracy, um, but this is such an intelligent kid. Um, you know, he, he reads the defense as well. Uh, you see the athleticism, his ability to manipulate the pocket, uh, big arm can make all the throws, you know, changes his arm angle to fit the pass into a window. Uh, does a great job squaring his shoulders to the target. There are some concerns about Justin Herbert with, you know, as I mentioned, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the, he'll wait an extra count before releasing the ball. Uh, not always trusting what he sees, overanalyzes things, and, and rather than just letting it fly, and I think that's the difference between him and Jordan Love uh, a, a little bit. Uh, although you know Jordan Love more so in 2018 than 2019, and we'll get to talk about that in a little bit when we talk about Jordan Love. Uh, but I think Justin Herbert, um, you know, when when Anthony Lynn is having to decide who his quarterback is going to be, taking over from Rivers, um, you know, who's it going to be? Uh, I, I look at it. You know, Herbert's success in the Pac-12, uh, fans in L.A. can really rally around this guy. There's a level of familiarity with USC and UCLA. Um, you know, we got to play against both of them, played his last game in uh, a Ducks uniform at the Rose Bowl. So teams can, ra- you know, the team can really rally around this kid. And L.A. right now is really looking for, you know, they're looking for their fan base in Los Angeles as well. Um, you know, it's a virtual away game, you know, a road game there right now. And, you know, they're moving to the SoFi Stadium. You get a quarterback that they can really rally around. I think Justin Herbert is going to end up being that guy. Carolina, Isaiah Simmons, as I said, 6'4", 238. This is a guy who can do a little bit of everything. I look at Carolina and... Uh, you know they 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 finished second in the league in sacks with 29 of the 53 registered by four players: Gerald McCoy, Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin, and then the defensive tackle uh, Vernon Butler, all of whom are, are free agents this offseason. So you could absolutely see them potentially reaching for Clavin Chase on, although I think they would trade down if that's going to happen. Um, you know you look at the cornerback position: Ross Cockrell, uh, James Bradbury. Um, Trey Boston, the safety, all of them are free agents. If Okuda happens to fall, you know he's going to get some serious consideration. But look, Luke Keekley, seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-time All-Pro, named AP Defensive Player of the Year in 2013, averaged 137 tackles per game while also uh, racking up 18 interceptions, 12.5 sacks, seven forced fumbles in eight seasons with the Panthers. He announces retirement. You know, this is a guy who's going to be a first-ballot Hall of Famer what are you going to do there? Well, pro football focus talking about uh, Isaiah Simmons. He saw the field on, on 738 defensive plays. 
Um, and you know, lining up at, at defensive line for 106 of those, 239 in the box, 256 in the slot corner, seven as the boundary corner, and 130 at deep safety. So really the moral of the story there is the guy can play a little bit of everything. And he filled up the stat sheet much like Keekley did. 104 tackles, 16 and a half for loss, eight sacks, three interceptions, eight pass breakups, two forced fumbles. He ran a 4-3-9-40 at the combine, plays all over the field. This is a guy who can line up in the block in the box, get downhill. Uh, and make a play on, on the running back on one play. And, and you know the game against South Carolina, I, I keep talking about this, but man, lined up in the slot against the speedy Shy Smith, the, the, the slot uh, receiver there, uh, initially beaten to the outside, but he had the re- recovery speed with inside leverage, made up ground, got his head around, tracked the ball, made a leaping play on the football, you know, lined up at deep safety against Ohio State, showed off tremendous speed, coming over the top, undercutting the route of Benjamin Victor, to, to really make a dynamic hit there. And then against LSU in the national title game, stayed on the ball side hip of Thaddeus Moss, dove in front of the tight end to make a play on the football. I mean, this guy all over the field making plays, he's the guy that Matt Rule can build his defense around, much like Carolina was able to do with Luke Keekley. I think this makes a ton of sense if, for whatever reason, uh, Isaiah Simmons is off the board. I think this has to be... Uh, Derek Brown, they need that presence up front. And, uh, you know, I think it's been lacking a little bit there in Carolina. I think Derek Brown would, could could absolutely be that guy. Uh, number eight, Arizona Cardinals. Everybody's trying to pair, you know, Kyler Murray up with CeeDee Lamb. You know, Larry Fitzgerald is back for 2020. Could be a swan song. Uh, could we potentially see, you know, uh, the Cardinals look for their number one wideout? You know, and, and it's interesting. You've got Larry Fitz back on the roster uh, could they go C.D. Lamb? Sure. I mean, they they did draft you know Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, and Keyshawn Johnson in last year's draft, but they're still talking about potentially taking a number one wideout. We've got such a deep wide receiver class, you could still get a number one wideout in round number two. It's gonna, I mean, it could very well happen, especially with Arizona drafting somebody at the top of round number two. What you really need to do though is protect your investment and protect Kyler Murray. Past season was a third straight year. Carolina, or I'm sorry, the Cardinals gave up over 50 sacks. That's just that's just not going to get it done. That's unacceptable. DJ Humphreys, Marcus Gilbert, Jordan Mills, offensive tackles, all un, uh, unrestricted free agents. Humphreys uh, was the last offensive tackle taken in the first round. He finally started an entire season at left tackle. I think Arizona is going to try to re-sign him there on the left uh, left tackle to protect Murray's blind side. I look at this. I think adding Jedrick Wills, um, you know, makes a ton of sense. Uh, really ultimately getting the bookend tackles to protect the quarterback. Uh, Jedrick Wills, I think, is probably, you know, in terms of his pass sets, might be uh, the best pass protector in this year's draft. Uh, very quick firing out of his stance, meets the rusher on the edge, very light on his feet, uh, lateral movement, you know, really looks effortless, does a really good job mirroring his guy, maintains the, the, you know, the flexibility, maintaining leverage throughout the play, very powerful as well, unlocking his hips, uh, providing that initial punch, stuns his man, able to use subtle movements on the secondary moves as well. Um, doesn't overreact, keeps himself in position, plays with a mean streak as well in the running game, looks to punish guys. Uh, I think this makes a ton of sense. Um, 
I hope that that's the direction that they go because they've got to protect uh, Kyler Murray. If they hit with with Jack Conklin, then I think, yeah, sure, go with the receiver. But if you can't get get Jack Conklin, there is another right tackle in free agency that's really going to be worth uh, taking the receiver in round number one. I think you have to go Wills here. Um, that makes the most sense. Jacksonville Jaguar sitting at number nine. I've got them going Derek Brown uh, out of Auburn, 6'5", 325 pounds. You know, this is a guy who, you know, when you talk about defensive tackles, he makes a, you know, makes an immediate impact. You know, you think of uh, Ndamukong Sue and how dominant he was. Derek Brown, even though he didn't fill, fight, quite fill the stat sheet that, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Sue did, he was just, you know, at times was virtually unblockable up front. Won the lot tr- uh, impact trophy as well, um, which is given to the defensive player making the biggest impact. An impact, yeah, it's integrity, maturity, performance, academic, uh, academics, community, and tenacity. First team All American, finalist for the Nagurski and the Outland trophies. Very physical up front. You know, the power is what you see with his hands. Um, you know, first step of quickness as well for a guy that size, shooting gaps, quick penetration into the backfield. You can see a little bit of a, of a pass rush ability, uh, collapsing the pocket from within uh, as an interior pass rusher against the run, able to really hold the point of attack. Um, but what he also does is, you know, he's able to split the double teams, you know, just really forcing his way through a lot of the holes. Uh, the power allows him to, uh, to really gain leverage you know, and a lot of times he'll throw his man to the side uh, as he continues to pursue the football. Um, you know, in his in his career, very active, 170 tackles uh, to go along with 33 tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks, um, nose for the football, uh, knocked down eight passes, forced five fumbles. Excellent effort, a guy who's going to chase down ball carriers from behind. I think Derek Brown. You look at the Jags, and uh, you know Marcel Darius. Uh, Marcel Darius could be a cap casualty, uh, which is going to leave them with with Taven Bryan and Avery Jones as the only defensive tackles currently on the roster. You know Yannick Ngakwe is uh, right now as a free agent. If they don't franchise him, um, they could go chase on here. But I really think what's what you need, Taven Bryan kind of been a disappointment to this point. If Darius is gone, you've got to be able to address the the you know the 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 defensive line. Um, you know, 28th ranked run defense, that is not gonna cut it. Derek Brown will definitely add to that. Um, you know, you look at the Cleveland Browns, there's no question they have to go offensive tackle. No question. You know, I mean, look, you know, the defense was led by Miles Garrett, you know, and, and Joe Schobert, who's a free agent. Hopefully they bring him back. Denzel Ward on the back end. You know, they look like a top 10 defense there. Uh, offensively, you've got Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. And, and Nick Chubb. You know, there are a lot of weapons, but you look at the the offensive line and, you know, really Baker Mayfield was running for his life. You know, a lot of times people talked about him bailing out of the pocket and rolling out to the outside, didn't really step up. And after a while, when you're under pressure and under siege at all times and you're not trusting your offensive line, yeah, you're going to you're gonna bail. You're going to get out of dodge and, and try to avoid uh, defenders at, at any given point. You know, Greg Robinson struggled at left tackle, but now with his legal troubles, that really ends his career. Uh, Chris Hubbard, the right tackle, struggled with speed off the edge as well. I think you got to use this on one of the top tackles, whoever's going to be available. In this case, I've got Mekhi Becton, 6'7", 364. Uh, the, the junior, you know, has a seven-foot wingspan. You know, he's huge. I mean, you know, you talk about Bryant McKinney, um, you know, that was a comparison that Dane Brugler 
used, and I think it's very evident there. Um, and Mayfield's used to having a, a giant playing there at left tackle when he had Orlando Brown Jr. there at, with the Sooners. Becton uh, is a guy who just is going to throw guys around. You see the power, um, you know, when he's able to get out and uh, you know on his kickout blocks. They're legendary. I mean, he just throws guys aside. Uh, very light on his feet for a guy his size. He's got to watch his weight. He's going to have to watch you know his pad level at times, which gets a little too high, and uh, you know team you know guys can get him off balance a little bit. But even when he's out of position, he's so big that it's going to be hard for edge rushers to get around him. Uh, but that 5-1-0-40 time, I mean, that just talks about just how athletic he was. And uh, I looked up uh, Mount McKinney, the, the seventh overall selection of the, of the 20, uh, I'm sorry, the 2002 draft. He ran a 5-1-3-40. So I think that comparison really fits. And uh, I think Becton would be the you know a great uh, addition there up front offensively, and uh, you know I, I think they need to find a right tackle as well. You know whether it's in free agency or the draft, uh, Baker Mayfield needs protection, and uh, I think he's going to find it here in this year's draft. Uh, the Jets sitting there at number eleven. Um, if they don't get a tackle, you know in free agency with you know namely Jack Conklin, and it looks like right now all signs are pointing to them signing Jack Conklin. Um, if they don't sign Jack Conklin, then I think this pick is going to end up being um, Andrew Thomas. But if they do, I, I think you can probably find a left tackle in in round number two. Um, you could still end up taking in, uh, Andrew Thomas to play with Conklin, but I think you can really turn your your focus to uh, finding Sam Darnold a number one wideout. Now Robbie Robbie Anderson, I, I think, is a guy who has really been an overachiever there at the receiver position. Um, I really think he's more of a number two wideout, not a number one. Uh, bring in Ceedee Lamb. You know, let, allow uh, Sam Darnold to uh, have that number one target. And and you look at CD. You know, if you turn on the the Texas tape, you know, you see a guy who is just making plays all over the field. I mean, you know, it, it was unreal watching this, uh, watching him play. I mean, he was so slippery, uh, you know, taking some quick throws down the sideline, cutting back to the inside. You know, there were actually five Longhorn defenders in the area, uh, but he won in the open field, planted and, and ran back to the outside on a 51-yard touchdown. Later, he came across the field for Jalen Hurts, plucked the ball out of the air on the sideline, shrugged off two tackle attempts, uh, tightroped his way down the sideline on a 27-yard touchdown, uh, showed an ability to recognize when the play was breaking down, came back to the quarterback as well, uh, makes plays all over the field. You know, and, and this is a guy who, um, you know, he, he had a span beginning the, the end of 2018, had a touchdown in 11 of 12 uh, games, including a stretch where he had a touchdown in eight straight games. Um, you know, he, he ran a 4 5 40, so, uh, you know, not. Um, game-breaking speed by any means, but you know this is a guy who um, you're drafting him because of what he can do. You know the catch radius is is ridiculous. Some of his catches at the combine and at his pro day, acrobatic catches along the sideline, really able to extend the catch radius. Like I said, you know you can put the ball anywhere near this guy and he's going to haul it in. To me, C.D. Lamb is the number one wideout. You pair him with Sam Darnold. You know the physicality, the balance. Come on, you know Sam Darnold would love throwing with this guy, and uh, you know he's already you know he's played with the likes of, of Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. You know, I, you know the one con- constant there is C.D. Lamb. So just imagine what he might be able to do there for for Sam Darnold as well. 
uh, you know, number 12, the, the Las Vegas Raiders. It's going to take some getting used to, you know, not calling them the Oakland Raiders, but uh, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, and, uh, you know, Raider Nation, you know, they're changing their address, but the plan is still going to be the same for John Gruden and Mike, Mike Mayock. Turn the silver and black into a contender again. And uh, when you look at them, I think you know the question obviously is going to be Derek Carr. What's going to happen there? He's in the third year of a, of a five-year, $125 million contract. Can he take, lead the team back to the playoffs? Can he work with Gruden? That's going to be the question. But look, they, they need to finally replace Amari Cooper at, at the wide receiver position. You know, Of the five leading receivers last year, only Hunter Renfro and Tyrell Williams were receivers. You, know, you had Darren Waller with 90 catches, and then a pair of running backs, Jalen Richard and uh, DeAndre Washington, rounding out the top five. I think J- uh, Jerry Judy really fits what they want to do. This is a guy who I think can can play on the outside. He he could be a, a, a really a big weapon there in the slot. He can get vertical, but it's really the route running ability that's legendary. This is a guy who is so explosive. You don't really see him. You know that the speed really uh, in his in and out of his breaks. Puts a lot of stress on the on the defenses on the back end, and uh, but just so quick in and out of his breaks, uh, understands leverage, does a good job stemming defenders away before making his break, cutting away from them, creating that separation in the process. Very sharp cuts, and uh, you know that's one of the things that I, I think he's going to help whoever's going to be the quarterback there for for the Raiders. He has enough ability to be a wide receiver one. Struggles with some drops, and that's really the biggest thing that kind of concerns me is ball security. You know, if you can't hold on to the football, if you can't hold on on to those passes, you're not going to end up being an elite wideout. But I, I think Jerry Judy still six uh, one one ninety three. I think the junior with his, uh, his explosiveness is going to end up being uh, the Raiders' number one target. I think he has a lot of what Mike Mayock looks for. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Could this be where Jordan Love or Justin Herbert go? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think J- uh, Jacoby Brissett. Um, you know, let's see. He, you know, seven and nine record, up and down season. Um, you know, he threw for just twenty nine hundred, a little over twenty nine hundred yards. Threw under sixty one percent of his passes. Eighteen touchdowns, six interceptions. Started the season five and two. Indy then dropped seven of nine. Uh, and in those games, uh, Brissett threw for more than 250 yards just twice, threw only four touchdowns with three interceptions, uh, under contract for one more season. So there's a chance that you know Frank Reich, Chris Ballard could end up taking a quarterback. They could also go with a free agent. We'll have to see what happens. I think free agency is going to tell a lot for a lot of these teams that are looking for quarterbacks. I look at this and... What Chris Ballard said at the Combine, I think everybody announced it, NFL.com is where I found found the, the quote, but uh, he said the three technique drives this thing, talking about the defense. And, uh, you know, Danico Autry, three and a half sacks a season ago, finished second to Justin Houston with 11 quarterback hits. Um, you know, Margus Hunt, Tyquan Smith um, really struggled to produce. But look, all these guys are, are under 300 pounds. The only defensive tackle that weighs over 300 pounds is the nose tackle Grover Stewart. You know, and if the three technique is truly driving Chris Ballard's defense, he's going to look for the best player available, and that may be Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. 6'5", 324, virtually unblockable at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, this is a kid, came to South Carolina as a sophomore, shed 40 pounds, and uh, you know, became the defensive MVP in 2018, racked up nine tackles for loss, four sacks. Uh, you know, this is a guy who makes plays uh, in the backfield, um, 
intimidating presence. You know, this guy just looks jacked uh, coming off the bus. Uh, gets early penetration with, with a quick first step, uh, overpowering double teams, collapsing the pocket from within, um, excellent punch with his hands to jolt the blocker, um, ferocious bull rush, um, can use his quickness to beat it, beat his man off the ball as well. Um, I, I think he's a guy who uh, can be absolutely dominant, and I think when you have a guy like him in the middle – of that defense, it's going to allow a guy by the name of, of Darius Leonard to really make plays behind him, especially if teams are looking to double team Kinlaw. Because if you man up against him, you know, like John Simpson tried to do at the Senior Bowl, and John Simpson's going to be a day two pick, uh, the guard out of Clemson, he was beaten left and right. This was a, a guy who can be very, you know, has that mean streak, very physical at the point of attack. And, uh, you know, Kinlaw beat him with, with power. Beat him with speed. You know the speed to power was really. You know you saw him just driving him back and you know really put Simpson on skates. And Simpson is a guy who can anchor. And uh, just imagine you know what Kinlaw can do getting him into camp. I think that would be a great selection there. Number fourteen, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, this could potentially be a you know they could go in a number direct number of directions. You look at Jalen uh, Jameis Winston uh, threw for over five thousand yards, but also had. Uh, 30 interceptions. He's an unrestricted free agent. Um, you know, what's going to happen there? Is he going to be a franchise player? Is he going to walk? What's going to happen there? Um, you know, I, I think if they do end up franchising him, they'll probably give him one more year. I think they hold on to, uh, this pick not go with the quarterback. There is a chance that they, that they go there. They're also talking about going all in with Tom Brady. Uh, if that happens, they're going to need to find a quarterback to to sit behind Brady. But uh, you know, I'm looking at it. I think they're going to go elsewhere. Defense is is one of those keys. And Dominican Sue, uh, Bo Allen, Raheem Nunez, Roches, all free agents, um, leaving Vita Vea and Winston Golson as the only defensive ta- uh, defensive lineman with any real experience. Javon Kinlaw would be in play if he's hit, if he's on the board. Uh, pass rush, you know, star pass rusher Shaquille Barrett, monster season, 19 and a half sacks, um, expecting to be back. But uh, Clavin Chason makes a ton of sense here. You know, in Todd Bowles's three-four defense, I think at the end of the day, I'm looking at them addressing that offensive line. 47 sacks given up a season ago. Donovan Smith is back. Uh, disappointment after he earned all of that money and uh, the right tackle position. Uh, Demar Dotson, uh, unrestricted free agent, not expected back. I think one of the four tackles, uh, whether it's Wirfs, Wills, Becton, or Andrew Thomas, falls. Um, that's where they have to go, especially if Tom Brady's there. You got to protect. You know, I keep talking about protecting your assets. You got to protect Tom Brady. And I look at at uh, Andrew Thomas. I think he has some some good agility there as a, as a pass blocker. Can get out mirror defenders pretty well. Um, you know, also, that agility allowing him to climb to the second level as a lead blocker for DeAndre Swift. Uh, looks to finish. Uh, kick out blocks. You know, clearing his man out all the way. Uh, sometimes all the way to the numbers. Uh, you know, lateral agility to seal off the edge as well. Uh, 36 and, and an eighth inch arms. Um, really does a good job keeping the rushers at a distance. But the problem for me with with Thomas is that he often uh, bends at the waist, kind of extends his arms, has this more of a of an acute angle, 
And when he does that, he's kind of leaning, he's kind of lunging, and that's going to keep him off balance. And that's where he's not always going to be able to sustain blocks. And I think that's also something to where, you know, offensive linemen, you get them off balance. They'll be able to push, pull, and, and get by him. They'll be able to beat him with some speed off the edge, beat him to the inside. He's got to play more upright. If he's able to do that, he has the athleticism and the skill to play really either side. He's done that at Georgia. I think he can come in there, either challenge Donovan Smith for that left tackle spot or solidify the the offensive line and take over that right tackle position. Moving on to number 15, the Denver Broncos. And uh, Denver, you know, they could go linebacker. They could go Kenneth Murray out of of OU. But I'm looking at Henry Ruggs III uh, out of Alabama. Um, You know, 5'11", 188 pounds. You've got Cortland Sutton established himself as the top wideout, but right now the number two uh, receiver was Deshaun Hamilton, finished fifth on the team in receptions behind the tight end Noah Fant and and running backs Royce Freeman and Phillip Lindsay. I'm looking at Drew Locke and what he did at Missouri. He flourished when he had a healthy Emmanuel Hall on the outside. This was his speed demon, the guy... You know, he was tossing dimes to the streaking receiver down the sideline. That's really where Drew Locke um, earned his money uh, there at the in the NFL. Also had Albert Obe Boonham, uh, the, the tight end who ran a sub 4-5-40 at the Combine here in, in, in 2020. Uh, but I'm looking at Henry Ruggs. He ran that 4-2-7-40. May have only had 98 receptions in three years, but he averaged 17.5 yards per catch. Uh, 24 career touchdowns meant he was scoring in the end zone every 4.08 receptions, I mean, which is just ridiculous. Such a dangerous option, but he's not just a vertical threat. Um, you know, he, he does a really good job changing speeds, can put on the jets when he needs to, really slow down, throttle down, and, and make, a, make the catch. Uh, does a great job selling his fakes on his double moves. You know, he's, he, he's a smaller guy, so he's going to struggle with some of the physical corners, but this is a guy who can climb the ladder, 42-inch vertical leap, uh, attack those 50-50 balls, has much bigger um, catch radius than you would expect as well. I look at Ruggs. This makes a ton of sense to me. I think if I'm Drew Locke, I'm looking for that speed guy on the outside. Henry Ruggs is that guy. Atlanta Falcons, look, come on. You know, this is a team that finished with just 28 sacks, uh, tied them with the Lions and the Seahawks for 29th in the league. They bested only the Dolphins in that category. Are you kidding me? Um, you know, I look at Grady Jarrett, you know, one of the more in- uh, underrated interior linemen in the league, had uh, seven sacks a season ago, but uh, with with a bunch of free agents there at the position, only Deidre Sanat is the other defensive tackle. I'm telling you, if Javon Kinlaw is sitting there, that might be the pick. But uh, you know, he kind of fits what uh, the, the profile for Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn, what they look for uh, on the defensive line. But when you look at this, uh, you know, Vic Beasley, Adrian Claiborne combined for 12 of the team's 28 sacks. They're both free agents. Vic Beasley may move on. Um, this is a guy who had a breakout sophomore campaign in 2016, 15 and a half sacks, but managed just 18 in the following three seasons. Um, he could come back. You also have Tack McKinley, uh, former first round pick as well, uh, finished with just three and a half sacks. Um, you know, just 16 and a half sacks in his first three seasons. I think, you know, his future in Atlanta beyond 2020 is in serious doubt. I think Clavin Chase on makes a ton of sense here. And and look, you know, Chase on you look at the numbers, 13 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, uh, did have 60 tackles and 13 starts. You know, this is a guy who's who who's who's has excellent length coming off the edge, a guy who, you know, has better power than I, I thought. He, he's one of those guys who can who can create a long arm, you know, really get good leverage and drive his man into the backfield, but absolutely uh 
very fluid, very flexible, very quick off the ball, very explosive. And uh, even when he's not getting to the quarterback, he's affecting plays. And I think that's one of the things that you really saw time and time again. Uh, he was often matched up against Andrew Thomas in the uh, SEC championship, more than held his own. Um, showed off the explosiveness, you know, starting up up the field, got Thomas leaning, spin move back to the inside, getting to the quarterback. Uh, excellent effort out of the kid as well. High character player, good student, SEC academic honor roll, 3.10 GPA as a business major as well. Um, you know, when I look at him, it's hard not to see Barkevius Kiki Mingo. It's number six overall pick of the Browns in 2012. Um, virtually the same measurables. Uh, Mingo, three-year career at LSU, you know, similar numbers as well. 29 tackles for loss, 15 sacks. Um, had, uh, let's see, 15 tackles for loss, eight sacks a sophomore season. Productive is his rookie year, nine tackles for loss, five sacks. But he's only managed five sacks in his last six seasons. Been on a total of five teams during that span. Now, I'm not saying that Chason's going to be that same player, but, you know, it, there is some cause... For, for concern because you know another player coming out of LSU looks you know the, the exact same the exact same part um, you know I, I don't want to necessarily you know get him hung up with some of those those comparisons um, you just hope that history doesn't repeat itself I think this guy can be a, a disruptive force on the outside again he fits what Atlanta wants to do uh, on defense I think that that's going to be the pick number seventeen Dallas Cowboys what are they going to do. I mean, it's crazy. They're all the the, the contracts that they've signed. Um, you know, you've got it. You know, Ezekiel Elliott's under contract. Um, you know, they signed a bunch of other guys. You know, from from uh, Tyron Smith, uh, Jalen Smith, Travis Frederick, uh, Lyle Collins, Zach Martin, um, Demarcus Lawrence. They all signed big dollar deals. You've got Amari Cooper that's sitting out there. Dak Prescott still still sitting out there as well. Uh, Cooper's Future, a little bit more uncertain than Dak, who might be getting the franchise tag. Um, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault uh, as possibilities here. Justin Jefferson, another one. But look, you got Michael Gallup in day two, uh, a season, um, you know, a couple, uh, let's see, 2018. Uh, so it could happen again there. They could also look free agency there with the receiver. Uh, you know, Robert Quinn could potentially walk. I mean, 11 and a half sacks. Uh, was the most consistent pass rusher on the team. So you could go defensive end if, if Chase On's here. I think you'd, it'd be a reach to go with A.J. Epinesa, though. So I think ultimately the focus turns to the cornerback position because Byron Jones is, a, is an unrestricted free agent. They're talking about potentially the Giants, the Jets, ended up uh, signing this guy. Um, you know, Anthony Brown, C.J. Goodwin, also free agents. That really leaves Joby Awuzie and the nickelback Jordan Lewis as the only corners on the roster. Go with C.J. Henderson. 6-1-204 out of Florida. The the junior um really, you know, he solidified himself as a top corner in 2018. Pro football focus noted that uh allowed just one reception every 19 snaps, didn't allow a single touchdown in coverage. Uh a guy really solidified himself as a number two corner after that 4-3-9-40 uh kind of solidified things. This is a guy who is an absolute uh, you know, mirror skills are ridiculous. You know, a guy who just is going to stick like glue to the receiver. Um, there is some concern with 
Um, you know, his zone recognition loses receivers at times, but uh, the, the mirror ability, he's a guy that you can put out on an island and can really lock down guys. Um, so I, I think Henderson could be a day one starter there for the Cowboys, really solidify the back end there if Byron Jones is gone. Miami sitting there at number 18. They got the pick from Pittsburgh. I think you have to address the offensive line at some point. Uh, they traded Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills to Houston for two number uh, first-round picks. Uh, they wound up getting uh, J- uh, Julian Davenport, who was a developmental offensive tackle with some starting experience. Um, he lined up on one side. Jesse Davis, who's really a guard, um, you know, on the other side, they gave up the league-leading 58 sacks. And according to Pro Football Focus, they registered the worst time to pressure and a quarterback pressure rate of 33%. They've got to upgrade the offensive line. I'm looking at uh, you know, Josh Jones, and according to Pro Football Focus, just 18 pressures on 1,282 pass-blocking snaps. You know, this is a guy, 45 starts under his belt as well. Um, 6'5", 319. Uh, Houston actually had him pegged at 6'7", 310. Uh, didn't really, didn't uh, you know, didn't really quite live up to that length. But uh, if you watch the Senior Bowl uh, practices, continually showed quick feet to pick up Kenny Willickis and Alton Robinson back um, back inside on a lot of their counter moves. The lateral agility is absolutely there. Um, I thought that he you know, his kick slide was very effective when he would get a, a deeper set, taking a proper angle to beat the defensive end to the edge. Uh, delivers a good punch. Hands are inconsistent right now. Getting the timing and placement. Sometimes the feet need to play catch up uh, rather than playing with his feet fully under him. I think that's one of the things that really gets him into trouble. He can be a lead blocker for the running back, getting out on the edge, uh, getting a kick out on the linebacker, driving him to the sideline, climbs to the second level, locates the defender under control, sealing the man off there. Uh, when he maintains leverage, he can generate a lot of uh, movement in the ground game as well. You know, there is a little bit of development to his game. You know, as I said, the hands don't always uh, match the feet, but he has the potential to be a day one starter. I think, you know, Miami, if they end up going offensive tackle and free agency, um, or I'm saying even if they if they go with an offensive tackle and free agency, they still need to land a tackle in round one, whether it's at 18 or 26. I think Josh Jones, I think he ultimately is going to be the guy over Austin Jackson right now because I think Josh Jones right now, I think there's just better tape for him. Um, you know, I think he ends up getting the nod Raiders. I just realized that my notes still say Oakland. I should be Las Vegas, but, uh, the Raiders ended up, uh, ta- you know, getting this pick from, uh, the Chicago bears. And, uh, I, you know, I, I noted that they're likely going to take, you know, take, use this pick on the defensive side of the football. Secondary needs attention. 29th in the league with just nine interceptions. Um, also, Gave up the most 40-plus yard plays uh, and, and 68 plays of 20 yards. Uh, 33 passing touchdowns given up. 8.3 yards per reception. Um, all fourth highest in the league. To make matters worse, DBs in the top 50 in the pass, pass defended. Only guys were the uh, free safety Eric Harris and rookie corner uh, Trayvon Mullen. Uh, had 11 passes defended please good for 44th you know a, a tie there they're desperate for a lockdown corner Travon Diggs I think you know the former receiver makes a ton of sense um, I also wouldn't rule out Gruden and Mayock looking for a guy to par- partner with uh, Cleland Furl and Max Crosby the rookies showed a ton of promise um, 14 and a half sacks you know between the two of them if Kinlaw falls, imagine having Kinlaw and Hurst on collapsing the pocket from within, and then you've got Crosby and Furl crashing off the edge. Then you're also talking about you know uh, 
Khalil Mack, that you haven't replaced him. Um, you know, you get this pick in that that deal. Uh, Vontez Burfick, Kyle Wilbur, Nick, uh, Nicholas Morrill, all free agents to hear Whitehead, Markel uh, Lee, only linebackers on the roster with significant playing time. Kenneth Murray, his speed, that's going to be something that I think uh, Mayock and, and Gruden will fall in love with. Um, he's a guy who's very intriguing, but I, I, I keep going back to Derek Carr. I keep looking at him, and if there's going to be a year where maybe they end up taking a receiver to push him, I mean a quarterback, it could be this year with Jordan Love. You know, Jordan Love, which inter- what's interesting, he was a 5'6", 145-pound wide receiver as a freshman in high school. Uh, Utah State was his only D1 offer. He's now 6'4", 224 pounds, uh, very athletic. Now, this guy, you know, 11-2 record, a bowl victory in the, in the New Mexico Bowl, finished uh, the season, ranked 22nd in the country. Aggies had a high-powered attack, you know, scoring at least 40 points in nine of their 13 contests. Uh, featured seven receivers with at least 20 receptions, along with a thousand-yard rusher and Darwin Thompson. Uh, Love was an ascending prospect at the end of the season, showing off his arm strength, athleticism outside the pocket, tremendous touch and accuracy as well. Then 2019 happened, and everybody wanted to knock this guy. Had to replace nine offensive starters, including four All Mountain West Conference offensive linemen, along with his head coach, you know, Matt Wells, out, and uh, Gary Anderson in. Also had to replace the offensive coordinator. He lost. His top five leading receivers, including Darwin Thompson, who account um, between those five, they accounted for 170 receptions for over 2,000. I'm sorry, over 2,300 yards, 28 touchdowns. The only returning receiver with uh, 10 plus receptions was little 5'8 Jordan Nathan. Um, you know, and he had a 61.9 percent completion percentage. Um, you know, 20 touchdowns, but only, you know, but 17 interceptions. He was forcing it. He, he was trying to do a little bit too much, um, you know, really throwing it into, uh, into coverage. Uh, and that's one of the things that was really scary. You know, the problem accuracy on his deep balls as well, just 31.8% lacking anticipation, staring down his targets, didn't really just grip it and rip it like he was doing, uh, as a sophomore. I think he needs that confidence back. And I'm looking at the at Oakland. I'm sorry, I did that again, and I knew it was going to happen. Las Vegas, you know, with the Raiders, you know, I, I think Derek Carr get a, another year to really prove things for him. But uh, you know, I think Jordan Love sitting there waiting in the wings. You know, the pressure isn't going to be on him. Allow him to get his confidence back. Um, you know, Gruden is kind of the quarterback whisperer. Gruden can kind of help with his development. And uh, Mayock said, you know, that he's happy with Carr, but if he can upgrade. They're always going to take a look at it. I think Jordan Love would be an upgrade at this point over Derek Carr. And uh, I think that's ultimately what's going to happen there at 19. 20, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They get the pick from the Rams in the Jalen Ramsey deal. I'm looking at Kenneth Murray. And here's why. You know, they could go corner like like Christian Fulton. Um, but I'm looking at, at linebacker. And the reason being, you know, you had the abrupt retirement of, of Telvin Smith. That forced Miles Jack to the inside where he really struggled. I think you you, you get Kenneth Murray and, uh, you know, Miles Jack can move back outside where he's more comfortable. Um, you know, you could also keep, potentially keep Miles Jack on the inside and, and allow Kenneth Murray really to play on the outside. I think that's really where Kenneth Murray belongs because uh, you, you look at uh, Caleb Kelly, when he was the the inside backer and allowed Kenneth Murray to just just 
read and react and fly all around the field. That's really where he made his plays there for the Sooners. Um, you know, over 300 tackles in his three seasons, sideline to sideline speed, ability to penetrate the line of scrimmage, athleticism to run with any tight end in the league as well. Ran a 4 5 2 40, um, you know, 36 and a half tackles for loss, can rush the passer, nine and a half sacks, broke up six passes in coverage. Um, along with that 4 5 2 40, 38 inch vertical leap, broad jump of, of 10 feet, nine inches. Ended up having a hamstring injury that kind of ended his day. But look, 6'2", 241, this guy absolutely looks the part. His biggest issue is uh, is uh, gap integrity. You know, the, the runs, he overruns over, over gaps. You know, if you just allow him to just run around and make some plays on the outside and on the perimeter in space, that's really where he's going to make his money. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars have the linebacking core to be able to do that. Um, you know, I look at, at number 21, the Eagles, they need a receiver they need a receiver. Um, you know, 2019 top three targets were uh, two tight ends, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and a running back, the rookie Miles Sanders. Uh, you know, Wentz also was without uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar for the final four games of the season due to injury. Uh, Alshon's coming off of the, the Liz Frank surgery in December, uh, still under contract through, through 2021. Um, but there's a chance that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside might be his replacement, though he really had a quiet rookie season with just 10 receptions uh, the entire season. Uh, Deshaun Jackson played the full uh, played a full season, or hasn't played a full season, excuse me, since 2013. And Nelson Aguilar, he's a free agent, really wasn't reliable. They couldn't count on him. Um, I'm looking at the Eagles needing a receiver, uh, and Justin Jefferson absolutely fits that bill. Uh, a guy who ran a 4-3-40. I think people were expecting him to run in the 4-5 range. I know I was. Uh, but this is a guy, look, you know, he, he led the FBS with 111 receptions, uh, 1,540 yards and uh, 18 touchdowns, both second in the country, eight 100-yard uh 100-yard uh, games, uh, scored a touchdown in 11 of his 15 games, including four multi-touchdown uh, games and recorded at least five receptions in 13 of the 15 games, uh, including two double-digit reception games. Um, variety of moves to get a quick release off the line. I think he does a really good job stacking the corner on vertical routes, tracks the ball well over his shoulder. Uh, excellent uh, catch radius as well. Very savvy route runner. Sets up his man, selling the fakes, snapping off his routes. Uh, also does a really good job finding the void in the defense. He's going to uncover himself doing that. Uh, may change the path of his route to ultimately find that space and really be a, a good target there for the receiver. I think he would uh, be a perfect, really be a favorite target there of, of Carson Wentz on the outside. Now the Buffalo Bills sitting there at number 22. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. You know, first 10-win season since 1999 when Wade Phillips was the head coach, Sean McDermott, you know, really getting this team going, had a top three defense, gave up just 298 yards per game. They got to get that offense going. Um, eighth best ru- rushing attack, passing attack, just not explosive enough. Um, you know, John Brown did have a breakout campaign as a 1,000-yard receiver. Cole Beasley, nice option out of the slot. But there's a huge drop-off after that. They even had to bring back Duke Williams from the CFL to get some receiver help. Lacking a true number one on the team, Josh Allen needs help. T. Higgins, I think, is going to be that guy. Uh, people beat up T. Higgins a little bit. Can he separate down the field? Here's the thing. Pro Football Focus noted that in 2019, T. Higgins was targeted 23 times on deep balls, hauled in 15 of those passes for 565 yards. He's a proven threat down the field, huge catch radius, 
real big weapon there in the red zone. Uh, you know, in 2019, he eclipsed a thousand yard mark, averaged 19.8 yards per catch as well, had five game stretch in November and in early December where he totaled 10 touchdowns. Uh, performance against Virginia in the ACC championship was dominant. Nine catches, 182 yards, three touchdowns in the victory over the Cavaliers. Uh, you know, I'm looking at T. Higgins. I think he's going to be that that guy that can be a difference maker there for for Buffalo. 23 Patriots. Um, could this be, could the Patriots potentially trade up and take a quarterback? You know, I'm looking at Jarrett Stidham, you know, and, and I, the question is going to be, do the Patriots, uh, believe in, in Jarrett Stidham? And, you know, I, I, I think this is one of those things to where Bill Belichick is not the type of guy who's going to go ahead and, uh, take a quarterback, you know, uh, early. Of course he's had Tom, Tom Brady for, for all these years. So even if Tom Brady is not on the roster, uh, I, I just don't see the quarterback going round number one. Um, tight ends a need. There really isn't a tight end worthy of a number one receiver or number, I'm sorry, a first round selection. Um, they need to target receivers with speeds to stretch defenses, but I think they can find that in, in uh, on, on day two. Um, offensive line could use a facelift. So I, I think you look at Austin Jackson as a potential here. Um, but defense wins championships with Bill Belichick. He likes to build his defense with early draft picks. I'm looking at Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy, uh, you know, at the linebacker position. I, I think uh, Jamie Collins, he was a one-year deal. This guy, you know, one and done for me. Uh, Kyle Van Noy is looking to probably earn some money, have a big payday. So I'm turning to Patrick Queen, the six foot, 229-pound junior linebacker there for LSU. And I'll tell you what, you turn on the film, and you know whoever it was that you were looking to watch play, uh, it was you know number eight Patrick Queen that was flying all over the field making plays. Uh, started the season looking at a place at times, you know, taking poor angles to the ball, but by the end of the year, super confident, always seemed to be in position to make a play, you know, and this was his first year as a starter, so you really saw what he could do. You know, his best game was was the post, you know, postseason performance that that uh, uh, college football playoff, you know, and and really the SEC championship in both of those games, he racked up 22 of his 84 tackles, five tackles for loss, and one and a half sacks against Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson. And, and again, like I said, the last collegiate game uh, named defensive player of the game in LSU's win over Clemson in the title game. You know, speed evident at the combine, 4-5-40, third fastest among the linebackers. Um, he can be an off-ball uh, outside linebacker as well if, if you wanted him to. Diagnosis plays very uh, very quickly, very decisive in his movements, uh, reacts in an instant without any wasted movement. Uh, tremendous lateral quickness, able to you know move from gap to gap, scrape over the top, can drop into coverage a little bit as well. Um, you know I, I think he can run with with tight ends and running backs, takes good angles, getting into passing lanes. I think Patrick Queen is a type of of linebacker that fits what Bill Belichick wants to do on defense. Uh, New Orleans, they've already you know they've got Drew Brees coming back. They've got that first round tender sitting there for uh, for Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill may end up being their future quarterback after uh, Drew Brees. They may have finally found their their replacement for Brees. Um, so how about we find another receiver for Michael Thomas? Michael Thomas absolutely dominant a season ago, over seventeen hundred yards, one hundred and forty nine receptions, nine touchdowns. But you look at who was behind him. It was it was the running backs, you know, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, tight end Jared Cook, 
They all finished with more receptions than the number two wideout, Ted Ginn Jr., now 34 years of age, unrestricted free agent. I think you have to go with another receiver. And you know what's interesting about LaVisca Chenault? This guy was used all over the field by, by the, the Buffaloes, similar to how the Saints used Taysom Hill. So you add another versatile weapon. I think it really makes, you know, gives Sean Payton a lot of versatility with what he can do with these guys. You know, uh, Chenault can line up in the slot. He can split out wide in the backfield, Wildcat quarterback. He was kind of a do-anything for the Buffs, and he was a threat to go the distance on any single play. Only player in the FBS with at least five rushing touchdowns and five receiving touchdowns in 2018. Um, this is a guy who just he battles injuries. He's injury prone, and that's really the issue. You know, the durability, cause for concern. Uh, 2018 had his had, had the season cut short. Then he has a uh, he's going up against uh, Arizona State. Has this core injury that uh, ultimately. You know, he played through, so you see the toughness, really wanted to to be out there on the field, and uh, it was an injury that he re-aggravated at the combine, ran just a 4 5 8, 40, which is not what we were expecting to see from him. Um, so he's had to have surgery, but it sounds like he'll be ready to go for, for training camp. Um, Chenault, can you keep him on the field? That's going to be the biggest concern. But uh, this is a guy, you know, he's 6'1", 227 pounds. Uh, He's built like a running back and runs like a running back as well. Um, You know, I I think you see him, you know, the flair for the acrobatic with the 50-50 balls, excellent timing and leaping ability, high-pointing the football. Look, against Washington, ran this 39-yard streak up the sideline. The ball was thrown to the inside. Corner had inside position over the top. Uh, Showed a tremendous ability to undercut the corner, haul in with the diving pass, Tremendous timing at the catch point. I think that's really something that 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 uh, that you saw, and and the power with this running. Look, the guy squats 600 pounds. Uh, the lower body strength, you know, the the, the contact balance, and uh, his ability to be dynamic after the catch, running through arm tackles. Uh, but look, you know, his his uh, route tree was limited at Colorado. He's going to need some time to really refine his route running. But I think he'd be a weapon over the middle. Uh, and be a guy who who can get down the field in a hurry. He's one of those unique talents at the receiver position, and uh, I think he would fit in well with the Saints. Twenty-five, the Vikings look. Um, you know they, they struggle with the 49ers running game, so I, I think they could go defensive tackle here. Um, but I think that's probably what's going to happen on day two. Um, I'm looking at uh, you know you could also get a safety who plays well in the box, and I think that's Grant Delpit. Uh, Delpit, 6'2", 213 pounds out of LSU. And, you know, when, when you're talking about the safety position, you're like, well, they've got Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. Well, Harris was really the playmaker on the back end of the of the Viking defense. He picked off six of the team's seven, uh, 17, inter, uh, 17 passes. Uh, Harris is an unrestricted free agent looking for a big payday. I think the Vikings are going to be on the market for a safety to team with Harrison Smith. And look, Delpit did struggle with 18 missed tackles in 2019, but he was also dealing with an ankle injury during the season. When he's healthy, he has the versatility and range um, versus the run and the pass to be a first round pick. Um, I, I think ultimately he ends up getting the nod over Trevon, uh, Trevon Diggs, uh, who's Stefan's brother. Uh, former receiver, you know, a guy who you know has really good instincts uh, against the against the pass, running the the routes. The route recognition is is insane with this guy. But uh, Delpit next in line, you know, uh, Jamal Adams, Laron Ra- uh, Landry, Tyron Matthew, Eric Reed, all first round picks coming out of Baton Rouge. Grant Delpit's going to be that guy as well. 
And uh, a guy who, you know, he, he shows he can cover tight ends, can get physical at the top of routes, showing good anticipation to cut undercut the route as well. Tremendous range, can patrol the back end as a deep safety, uh, can cover a lot of ground, comes up in the, into the box, and uh, ability to play both the run and pressure the quarterback. On one play, he'll knife off the edge, drop the running back in the open field, and on the next, he'll time up his blitz, shoot the A-gap, split two blockers, and get to the quarterback for a sack. Um, you know, I thought he did struggle, you know, like I said, you know, the tackling, uh, 18 missed tackles in 2019 alone, though, battling that ankle injury, as I said, um, doesn't always take the proper angle. He's going to over pursue the play at times. We'll look to deliver the big hit rather than wrap up. Um, you know, I, I think if he can stay healthy and return to his 2018 form, I think he would pair nicely with Harrison Smith. Number 26, Miami, their third first round pick. I think they go defense here. You know, Brian Flores needs to get a, a pass rusher here. Um, when we look at this, league worst, just 23 sacks. Uh, defensive end, Taco Charlton led the team with just five sacks. Uh, you know, outside linebacker Sam McGuavin, pleasant surprise. Uh, but Charles Harris uh, quickly showing that he was a first round bust, uh, just managed uh, half a sack in 14 games. Uh, so I'm going Zach Bond, 6'2", 238, uh, the junior out of Wisconsin. Uh, breakout 2019 season, 12 and a half sacks for the Badgers. Uh, excellent burst off the ball. I think when you see him bend, um, hips uh, turn in, run in the arc, able to gain leverage early on the offensive tackle, turn in the corner in a hurry, plays with very active hands, quick punch, quick rip to get off the blocks, explosive with his transition to with the secondary pass rushes, uh, pass rush moves as well. Pretty good spin move. Once he flattens to the quarterback, relentless in his pursuit of the passer. Uh, nonstop motor, I think, would definitely fit in well for this underachieving defense. Um, also shows some fluidity in coverage. Not really you know, known for that necessarily, but trusts his eyes, drives quickly on the football, enough athleticism to cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield, can even set a hard edge against the run. Um, playing with good leverage, anchors well, uh, ran a 4.6540, put up uh, 24 reps, of, uh, you know, 225 in the bench press as well, which is good for third highest among the linebackers. Very fluid in the drills as well. I think this definitely makes a makes a lot of sense here for Miami. They've got uh, you know Cameron Wake uh, at the twilight of his career. I think this is a guy who can pair up with with Sam McGuavin potentially uh, there at outside linebacker. Uh, let's see Seattle. 28 sacks in 2019. Uh, Jadavion Clowney was brought in. Um, Not even that trade really can make a huge difference, you know, bringing him in. Now he's an unrestricted free agent. I don't expect Seattle to re-sign him. Same goes for Ziggy Ansa, who signed a one-year deal uh, last offseason, managed just two and a half sacks. Um, I I think Seattle is going to be looking for a pass rusher. They could... They they went with LJ Collier a season ago. They could go with his teammate, uh, Ross Blacklock, here. Uh, he's a twitched-up interior lineman, blend of speed. Uh, I'm sorry, size, quickness off the ball, uh, tremendous bend for a guy his size to get early penetration into opponent backfield. Uh, if AJ Epinesa falls to 27, though, I think this is where Seattle's going to get him. Six five two seventy five. Uh, the, the junior, very highly decorated high school career, uh, instant impact for I- Iowa as a rotational. Uh, player there as a true freshman. 2018, backed up Anthony Nelson and Parker Hesse. Still managed to lead the Big Ten in sacks with 10.5. Look, he got off to a slow start in 2019, just 3.5 sacks through his first eight games, but really poured on the production, uh, especially uh, you know at the end of the season. Eight sacks in his final five games. 
Uh, you know, you watch him, you know that he's not an explosive edge rusher. Ran a 504-40 at the combine. That didn't do him any favors. Um, if you're looking for a lightning quick edge rusher, Epinesa is not going to be your guy. But what he is going to bring you is some toughness. He uh, he'll bring you technique, power, excellent hands with the motor that never quits. Um, able to create a soft edge and make plays on the quarterback. Very technically sound. Um, I think you can say that for a lot of the Iowa players. Fires off the line, looking to strike with his heavy hands. Stun the lineman. Keeps working with his hands. His uh, you know, he'll use a, a club rip. Uh, a slap rip, uh, a chop, an arm over, uh, always attacking the offensive tackle's hands on his bull rushes, shows excellent hand placement, uh, often extended his hands uh, to get under the offensive tackle's armpit to jack him back um, and, and really collapse the pocket coming off the edge. Um, very effective long arm, you know, driving the offensive tackle into the backfield, uses those hands to also disengage and chase after the ball carrier. But I think his most effective pass, ru- pass rush move is really a push-pull, getting the lineman off balance, shooting the gap to get penetration. Um, if he turned on that holiday bowl against USC, squared off against a top 40 draft pick in Austin Jackson, uh, when Epinesa was able to, to use his power in hands, very effective creating that soft edge to beat Jackson, uh, delivered several hits on quarterback Keaton Slovis, including chopping down on uh, Slovis's arm as he tried to throw, forcing a key turnover in that game. Um, you know, I think what ended up happening was uh, Jackson, uh, when he was, he was able to, to use his quickness, Easily mirroring Epinesa, and I think that lack of athleticism and, and the stiffness in his hips, not really able to bend off the edge, uh, really uh, really hampered him a little bit there. Um, but I, I think when you look at things, I think Seattle, uh, let's change things up a little bit. You know, you brought in some of these ultra-athletic guys, Clowney uh, and Ziggy Ansah, and things didn't really work. I think you get a guy like Epinesa in there, he could very well end up being uh, a day-one starter for the Seahawks. At number 28, the Baltimore Ravens. So Baltimore, you know, you obviously had the, the league MVP, 14-2 and two in the regular season. Uh, when you look at them, defensively, they just gave up uh, 282 points, which is the third fewest in the league. But uh, you look at the guys that you have to replace. Matt Judon had a, had a breakout 2019 campaign, nine and a half sacks. He's a free agent. Uh, huge payday that he's looking for. If they can't sign him, you also have Pernell McPhee also uh, going to be a uh, free agent as well. Um, inside backer, you know, they traded away C.J. Mosley to the Jets, uh, and then they dealt Kenny Young to the Rams uh, in the deal for Marcus Peters. Uh, you know, so you've got Josh Bynes, Patrick Onwasser, um, Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen. If they were to fall, I think they could end up going here. I'm actually looking at Yutra Gross Matos, 6'5", 266 pounds. He's played defensive end at Penn State, but if you watch him at the combine, very fluid in his movements. I think, in, you know, and, and really when he was a stand-up end there for the Nittany Lions, he showed he can rush the passer coming off the edge, showing really good bend. You know, this is a guy, 37 and a half tackles for loss, including 20 in, in 2018, 17 and a half sacks during that span uh, You know, as a two-year starter. Uh, very disruptive, living in opponents' backfields, uh, 82.5-inch wingspan, um, uses his length to his advantage, um, though sometimes his punch is kind of lacking. That That's when the offensive tackles gets their hand on him. Um, but this is a guy, a uh, ver- variety of rip and swim moves to win, uh, getting inside, showing a quick counter spin move to get back outside to the quarterback. Uh, does a good job also doing the the up and under, taking a, the offensive lineman up the field to then work back inside to the quarterback. And uh, I think his most impressive play really was 
against Memphis in uh, in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, tremendous push up the field against the left guard uh, with his hands under the blocker's pad level, then ripped through with his left arm, reached out with his right arm, grabbed the quarterback Brady White, and threw him down with just one arm. You know, very you know very powerful guy. I think he's just scratching the surface of what he can be at the, you know, um, as a football player, I think he goes to the Ravens. You know, he's a guy who can play there out on the edge and, uh, man, that could be scary, you know, scary proposition having a guy like that playing there, um, out on the outside, uh, number 29, the Tennessee Titans, you know, this is a team, very impressive run, you know, the wild card to, to the AFC championship game, secondary exposed against KC. Not only that, uh, cornerback position, slew of injuries. Malcolm Butler on IR with a broken wrist. Adoree Jackson battled foot and knee injuries. Now look, Logan Bron- uh, Logan Ryan, Tremaine Brock, LaShawn Sims, Ty, Ty Smith, all unrestricted free agents, meaning Butler, Jackson, and Kareem Moore, only corners on the roster. You add a corner with size and length like Trevin Diggs on the outside opposite Jackson that allow Tennessee some flexibility, allow Butler to slide inside to, to the slot since Logan Ryan's likely on his way out. Now, you know, I, I think when you look at Diggs, um, you know, physical presence on the outside, wants to, to jam the receiver, reroute him off, off, uh, off the snap. Good job playing in phase as well. Um, Probably best in trail technique, showing off his timing to extend and attack the football at the catch point to break the pass up. Um, you'll also see him track the ball down, um, down down the field like a wide receiver. Um, I think maybe his biggest concern is the long speed, speedy wideouts able to run by him. And when he gets beat, uh, panic really sets in and he wants to get handsy and grab the receiver. Can't do that. Really wants to get aggressive as well. He'll be susceptible to some double moves. If you can stay patient, learn not to panic, I think he can be a productive starter early on at the next level. Trevin Diggs, 6'1", 205, corner out of Alabama. Uh, three picks left here in the first round, and then we'll call it a day. Uh, number 30, the Green Bay Packers. Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, kind of had that feeling out process at the beginning. Green Bay still ended up with a 13-3 record, first round bye in the playoffs. Uh, but what be- really became clear was... Uh, Aaron uh, A-Rod uh, A-Ron sorely lacking some receivers on the outside. You know, Devontae Adams missed four games, still hauled in 83 passes including eight games with at least seven receptions uh, showing not only why he was one of the top receivers in the league but also just how much uh, Rodgers really relied on him. Uh, you know, the running backs, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams were number two and number three leading receivers for the Packers. Then you had this, re- this receiver trio of, of Alan Lazard, uh, Geronimo Allison and Marcus Valdez-Scantling combining for 95 passes, uh, 1,216 yards, seven touchdowns. Um, they need some playmakers here. I like Alan, Alan Lazard as a, as, a, as a receiver. I think he and Geronimo Allison, kind of the same skill set. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the speed merchant on the outside, but you know, in terms of, of what he, he disappears at times. You know, I, I've seen people talk about KJ Hamler here or Jalen Rager. I'm going to give you a different name. Denzel Mims out of Baylor, 6'3", 207. Um, I think he was really seen in his early day two pick, but his postseason performance really turned heads. And I think this is really what solidified things for me. At the Senior Bowl, difficult to, co- to cover, very sudden with his route running, 
flair for the acrobatic, making plays all over the sideline and in the end zone, uh, back corner of the end zone, several plays where uh, you know he was able to contort his body to make a catch uh, in the back of the end zone. You also saw the power as a, as a blocker on the outside, continually dominating Lavert Hill, I just locked on him and just drove him down the field. Uh, but again, 43840, 38.5 inch vertical leap. Um, you know, that really stuck out for me um, at the combine as well. Uh, had 1,000 yard seasons in 2017 and 2019, finished his career with 28 touchdowns. Um, you'll see him win in a variety of ways. I, I think he could be a weapon vertically. Um, but he also does a good job snapping off his routes, coming back to the quarterback, showing his numbers, uh, does a good job kept in the, catching the football away from his body, has nearly 34-inch arms, so he uses that length to his advantage, uh, gives him a tremendous catch radius, but you know, creates some late separation down the field using his arm, you know, kind of extending that arm out a little bit, then elevating over the corner to haul in the pass, but it's his adjustments to the football in the air. Just you know, He's, he's an acrobat. You see him twisting and turning and contorting his body to ensure that he's in position to make a play on that football. The body control and awareness along the sideline as well to get his feet in bounds after securing the catch. Nightmare in the red zone, elevating over DBs on a fade on one play. Then on the next play, he'll win off the line uh, with inside leverage to haul in a slant. Uh, using his frame to to shield the ball from the defenders. And, and I think it's the successes both in that fade and with the slant. He can end up faking one direction with a quick jab step and then running the opposite, you know, the opposite play. So he can either fake inside for that slant and then get out to the fade or fake the fade off the ball and end up running that slant. That that two-way go there really has that corner guessing. And if he guess wrong, Mims has got an easy touchdown. I think this would be, you know, a unique situation. His skill set is more unique than than a lot of these other receivers that, that they could take here at this position. And I think he'd be a great complement for Devontae Adams on the outside. Now we're getting to the two Super Bowl teams. Uh, number 31, San Francisco 49ers. Xavier McKinney out of uh, Alabama is my guy. Six foot 201 safety. Here's why. Um, you know, I, I think the 49ers just one quarter away from winning the Super Bowl. Young roster, Kyle Shanahan. I think San Francisco is going to be in contention again next year. You got Jimmy G uh, under center, dominant rushing attack, young receivers, George Kittle throwing the football too. You had the, the, the front four um, linebackers are there as well. You got to focus on the secondary. At this point, you know, you've got uh, Richard Sherman, Akella Witherspoon, K1 Williams under contract for only one more season. Emmanuel Mosley um, played well in the postseason. He's a free agent. I think Christian Fulton could be in play here. But when you look at it, you know, uh, Jimmy Ward, also a free agent, um, there's a chance he may not be here. And I think the thing with McKinney is uh, that football IQ, I think, makes him a starter on week one. You know, this is a guy who can come in. He does a little bit of everything. If you look at the stats, he fills everything up. I mean, that's the thing that's ridiculous. Ball skills evident. Picked off five passes. Broke up another 15, including 10 in 2018. Four six fumbles in three seasons with the Tide. Um, makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. 13 tackles for loss and six sacks in his career. Um, you know, if there was any question about how active he was, take a look at the 19, uh, 95 tackles he posted in 2019 to lead the team. Um, has the range to make plays over the top. Very disruptive at the catch point, defending the pass. Uh, also able to get downhill, um, break down, remain under control, uh, square up to the to the runner, wrap up, 
driving him through the uh, through the DB. I'm sorry, driving through the ball carrier in the open field as well. He may not be Mika Fitzpatrick, but he doesn't need to be. I think he's an underrated prospect. Um, you know, could very well end up being drafted in the top 20. If he falls to 31, Niners are going to snatch him up right away. Number 32, Super Bowl champs, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think when you look at them, I think the cornerback position was really an area of concern, really got exposed. Um, you know, I, I thought Steve Spagnuolo uh, allowed, you know, Kyle Fuller, Bashad Breeland, uh, Shavarius Ward, Morris Claiborne, and uh, and Rashad Fenton, the rookie, to, to really thrive in his defense. You know, uh, but, you know, Fuller and Breeland, they came up huge in the Super Bowl, each picking off Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but Breland, Fuller, and Claiborne are all free agents, which leaves Ward, Fenton, and practice squad call-up Alex Brown as the, the corners on the roster. You have to expect the Chiefs to, to try to re-sign Breland and Fuller, uh, but after those pre uh, those postseason performances, they may get outbid. And I think Fuller, uh, Christian Fulton, instinctive corner on the outside, would be a nice compliment understand leverage uses it to his advantage to make a play you'll see him use both inside and outside leverage when he uses that inside leverage on those in-breaking routes especially across the middle he'll stay on that ball side hip um, with the receiver extends for the ball makes a play um, I think he doesn't always get a chance to make a play on the football but he arrives uh, and and prevents any yak. Uh, that's that yards after catch wrapping up the receiver in the open field. Doesn't let go ball skills. Like I said, are evident though. So when he does make a play on the ball, 20 pass breakup in his career, you would like to see him produce a little bit more, only two interceptions in three seasons. Um, you know, his arms are a little bit on the shorter side as well. So body position is going to be critical for success on the outside. But, uh, you know, what I really like is, you know, for everything that he does on the outside, he also has that willingness to come up and play the run as well. Um, he's going to arrive. He's going to deliver a big hit on the ball carrier. I think he can end up developing into a pretty good starting corner when it's all said and done. So that's my first round. I said we were going to take a look at at, at, at round number two, um, you know, but we're coming up on uh, almost, what, a little over an hour and a half. I guess we got a little bit of time. Uh, we can kind of take a sneak peek. Uh, Cincinnati, I think they're going to need another receiver. A.J. Green, even if they bring him back, um, he's he can't stay healthy. Neither can John Ross. How about Brandon Ayuk? Um, you know, ultimately, if if Green or Ross or both go down, Brandon Ayuk, uh, the the long uh, six foot receiver there for Arizona has uh, Arizona State. Explosive player. You team him with Tyler Boyd, um, Indianapolis. I think you can get a quarterback here in round two. I think Jacob Eason out of Washington, um, he, he needs a couple of years of seasoning, needs to work on, on some touch. Um, everything is a fastball for him. I think he ends up uh, not putting enough air under the ball, which ends up you know allowing him to, to sail the football over receivers. But the arm strength is evident. You know, he, he really did a good job leading the Huskies. Um, I'm looking at him there to the Colts. Lions, they need that. I was talking about that presence on the interior of the line. Justin Matabuke um, ran in the four eights at the combine. Um, also put up 34 reps in the bench press. 6'3", 293, very athletic, uh, very strong and powerful at the point of attack. Uh, Giants, they need a, a linebacker who can cover. How about Malik Harrison out of Ohio State? 6'3", 234. Uh, Chargers at, at 37. 
They get their offensive tackle, Austin Jackson out of USC, 6'5", 322, the junior. Um, you know, I think it has a chance to start right away. Carolina Panthers, you know, if James Bradbury's gone, you're gonna need to find a corner. Damon Arnett, very physical on the outside, six foot, 195 pounds. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeye, uh, first running back taken, number 39 overall, Miami Dolphins. They need a running back, absolutely. They've got uh, Kalen Balaj, Miles Gaskin. How about you add Jonathan Taylor to the mix? Uh, over 6,000 yards there at, at, at Wisconsin in just three seasons. Um, you know, tremendous, tremendous running back, two-time Doak Walker Award winner. You know, got to work on that ball security. But this is a guy. Look, you know, he ran sub four four forty. Um, showed you know some fluidity uh, as a pass catcher as well. That was really the biggest question for him. He can run by you. He can run over you. Very patient runner as well. Waits for those blocks to set up and then gets north and south in a hurry. 5'10", 226 pounds. Wisconsin junior going to Miami, uh, Arizona. You can get. I said you could get a number one wideout, and I think Michael Pittman out of USC can potentially do that. Led the Pac-12 with over 1,200 yards receiving, 6'4", 223 pounds. Michael Pittman, look, if you just turn on that Utah game at the Coliseum, it was a Friday night. I was there at that game, and it seemed like whenever USC needed a big play, they'd throw the ball deep to this guy, and he was burning uh, you know, guys that are going to be playing on Sunday for for the Utes. Uh, that was you know Jalen Johnson at, at corner, uh, Julian Blackman and, and Terrell Burgess at safety, and just so physical. You know he, he wins the 50-50 balls, does a really good job getting late separation. Ran a four-five-two forty, so he's a lot faster than people were giving him credit for. Um, you know people worry about some of that separation, but you know it, it's the physicality after the catch as well. Really hard to bring down. I think Kyler Murray would love to have this guy to throw to Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, you need another another receiver, especially if if Rashard Higgins um, doesn't come back. I'm looking at Jalen Rager out of TCU, 5'11", 206. Um, you know, if you watch the 2019 tape, really bad quarterback play. Put put on that 2018 tape, you'll see just how explosive he is. Um, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars at 42. You got to try to replace Jalen Jalen Ramsey. I'm looking at Noah Igbenogany um, out of Auburn, 5'10", 198 pound junior. I think Igbenogany can also be a, a kick returner, very explosive, very sudden with his movements as well. At number 43, the Bears uh, getting the pick from Las Vegas. I'm looking at them, you know, uh, especially if Danny Trevathan ends up leaving. They need a, a, an inside linebacker. I'm going Logan Wilson, the surprise uh, pick right here. But Logan Wilson, over 400 tackles, makes plays all over the field, excellent range, excellent athlete, 6'2", 241 out of Wyoming. You know, this is a kid who nobody's talking about, might be the best player that nobody's really nobody's really heard of. Uh, ran a 4-6-3-40, 21 reps in the bench press as well. Um, I think he'd be a great pick there for the Bears uh, on the interior of that, uh, that linebacking core. Uh, number 44, the Colts. Um, you know, you're looking for a receiver to team with uh, with T.Y. Higgins. I think Zach Paschal it can be a number number three or number four receiver. Um, Chase Claypool, 6'4", 238 pounds, and, and ran a 4'4", 40. Um, this was a guy who just always seemed to get open, Was can make plays down the field, over the middle. I think he'd be a nice complimentary player for, uh, for T.Y. Um, Tampa Bay. Mentioned that they need a, a guy coming off the edge to pair with with uh, Shaq Barrett, uh, Terrell Lewis out of Alabama, 6'5", 262. 
Uh, I worry that he may just be a one-trick pony right now, that he's just going to be a situational pass rusher. Um, but he has really good athleticism, and uh, you know you can't teach that speed coming off the edge. Uh, Denver Broncos, they need to find a, an, uh, a defensive end, especially uh, you know if the likes of, of Derek uh, Derek Wolf um, leave in, in free agency. I'm looking at James Lynch out of Baylor, 6'4", 289. Uh, kind of reminds me of Justin Smith coming out of Missouri a little bit. You know, This is a guy who set the uh, career record there for Baylor. Um, I want to say off the top of my head it was 26 sacks. I don't have it in front of me. Um, pretty good bend for a guy his size. Um, he's a guy who's disruptive, uh, nonstop motor. I like him there, 46 to Denver, 47 the Falcons. Austin Hooper might end up uh, getting a big payday, may not stay in Atlanta. Cole Komet out of Notre Dame, 6'6", 262, um, I think would be a nice addition there. At 48, the Jets, they had to bring in Ryan Khalil to play center. How about they get their center of the future, Lloyd Cushenberry, 6'3", 312, uh, the junior out of LSU, really athletic um, there at the center position. Steelers get their first pick. Bud Dupree is a free agent. He may not be back. How about we go Curtis Weaver, um, over 36 sacks in his career for, for Boise State in, in his three years there for the Broncos, playing on that blue turf, 6'2", 265. I think that makes a ton of sense there. The Bears come back again at number 50. They need a, a guard. They need a right guard especially. Damian Lewis out of LSU, 6'2", 327. Uh, a guy who's going to get physical. He's a road grader. Um, will be nice, a, a nice addition there. 51, Dallas, uh, Jeremy Chin, 6'3", 221, the safety uh, out of Southern Illinois. I think that'd be a nice fit. You know, there, there are a lot of other positions. You know, we talked about receiver. We talked about an edge rusher. The reason why I like Jordan Chin, I think, you know, this is a guy who compared nicely with uh, Xavier, Xavier Woods. I think Dallas is going to end up finding a, a receiver and an edge rusher. If they don't end up going with uh, Quinn and, uh, and Cooper, they could find that in free agency and go with a, a young guy like Jeremy Chin in uh, in round number two of the draft. Uh, Rams finally get a pick at number 52. I think they go inside linebacker. Uh, they're not going to be able to re-sign uh, Corey Littleton. Uh, I, I'm looking at Jordan Brooks, six foot 240 out of Texas Tech. Uh, one of the more underrated linebackers, over 300 tackles in his career. Um, I like that pick. You know, I think he's a guy who can cover uh, tight ends, cover uh Running backs, has really good range. Uh, number 53, uh, Eagles. Rodney McLeod is a, is a free agent. Bring in Antoine Winfield, 5'9", 203. This is a guy who's kind of a heat-seeking missile. You know, you just you tell him to go find the ball, and he's going to find it. Seven interceptions, a guy who can play well in the box as well. Uh, takes excellent angles to the football. Just a real smart, smart player following in his dad's footsteps. Uh, Buffalo sitting there at 54. Um, need a, a guy coming off the edge. Bradley and I out of Utah, 6'3", 257, over 20 sacks in his career, had 13 this past season. Uh, a guy who you know just wins with his hands, not the best athlete, but a guy who's just a really, really solid football player. Um, Marlon Davidson going to Atlanta. Um, I mentioned that they were taking an edge rusher with their first round pick. Uh, I think they need a defensive tackle. You know, to pair with with uh, with Grady Jarrett and uh, and Deidrin Sanat and uh, Marlon Davidson may not be on the board at fifty five. Um, I think there were some consistency issues with him, but when he's 
firing on all cylinders can be very, very disruptive, um, either on the inside or on the outside. Miami, um, you know, Rashad Davis, or I'm sorry, Rashad Jones is is a free is actually being released by the Dolphins. And I, I think the Dolphins ultimately use this pick to get Kyle Duggar. Um, 6'1", 217-pound safety out of Lenore Rhine. Uh, big physical safety. I think that'd be a nice pick up there. Houston needs a running back. Lamar Miller is a, is a free agent uh, sitting there. I think DeAndre Swift, Georgia, 5'8", 212, could end up being the number one running back off, off the board. Um, ran in the four fours, excellent pass catcher, not a lot of, uh, wear on, on his legs as well. Um, I think that could end up being a solid selection there. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, they need a corner on the outside, especially, uh, if Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander are gone, uh, AJ Terrell out of Clemson, 6'1", 195 pounds. I think that absolutely makes a lot of sense there. Um, for Seattle, they, they need to, to find another guy that they can, uh, get there. Um, you know, you, you've, you've need, needed another corner and, uh, I'm looking for them. Um, uh, you know, I think they need some length. They're at the cornerback position. Cam Dantzler, 6'2", 187, ran a four six four forty. but look, when you talk to his, his position coach is Terrell Buckley. T buck knows a thing or two about cornerback play. I think you get the long lanky guy. That's what Seattle really covets there at the safety position or at the cornerback position. You need to ultimately end up kind of moving on from, from Trey, Trey Flowers here at the corner position, move him to safety, uh, allow him to, uh, to really thrive there um, at, at the cornerback position. I think that would be a nice, uh, nice pickup there. Um, you know, Baltimore sitting there at number 60, you know, they, this could be a couple of different moves. I thought Matt Skura at center had a really good season, um, but this pick, uh, I'm actually looking at, at Cesar Ruiz here. Now, Cesar Ruiz is a center, played for, for Michigan, 6'3", 307, but he has the athleticism, ran a 508-40, very, very active uh, center, a guy who you know was very athletic, climbing to the second level easily. I think he can move to guard. Marshall Yonda uh, is retiring. I think this will be a nice pickup there. And then ultimately, if, if Matt Skura isn't the long-term answer at center, he could always kick over to center later on. Um, let's see, 61, Tennessee Titans. I'm looking at Jack Conklin possibly moving on. And if that happens, they need another tackle. Ezra Cleveland is more of a left tackle, but I'm still penciling him in here. Uh, 6'6", 311 pounds at a, at a Boise State. This is a guy who is very athletic. Um, I think he's more of a finesse guy. You don't see a ton of power, which is why he may not be a right tackle. This may not be the pick. It may end up being a guy like Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia, the big, huge 6'8", 350-pound uh, right tackle. But I'm going with with Ezra Cleveland because I just like his movement skills. This is a guy who moves very well. And, and with teams wanting to um, put their edge rushers all over the field, you really have to have two guys who can move really well. So um, I think you have power on the, one, on the left side with Taylor Lewan. And this is going to be kind of your finesse guy on the right tackle position. 62, Green Bay Packers. I think they need a tight end. We've been talking about that for a while. 
I think they go Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue, 6'4", 245, uh, do-everything type of tight end. I think he can make a lot of plays down the football field. Also an inline blocker. Uh, 63, Kansas City Chiefs. They get the pick from San Francisco. Uh, I'm going Jordan Elliott, uh, 6'4", 302, the defensive tackle out of Missouri. Um you know, if Chris Jones comes back, I still think this can end up being uh, the, the pick here just because, you know, there are a lot of question marks up front outside of uh, of Chris Jones. You've got Derek Noddy, you've got uh, Alex Okafor, but I, I think adding Jordan Elliott with all of his athleticism makes a ton of sense. And then at 64, Seattle trading back into round number two, uh, got the pick from Kansas City. Um you know, and I've got Jalen Johnson penciled in there, a six foot one, uh, one ninety three out of uh, out of Utah. I just realized that I have two corners sitting there, um, so that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, does it? So I haven't actually. I published my first first round on my website. I haven't put the the, the second round out yet. Didn't proofread it before I ultimately ended up jumping into things here, but. I think we can take a stab at this one here. Um, and uh, when, when I look at this, I, I, Seattle likes to, to do things a little bit differently. I'm looking at Prince Tegawanogo out of out of Auburn. I think he can end up being uh, a guy. I think ultimately Jalen Johnson will get drafted ahead of, of Cam Dantzler. I think that 46440 really hurt him. So I'm going to go ahead and actually take Jalen Johnson, move him up on my my draft board here. I'm going to move him up to 59 and then sitting there at 64, I think Prince Tega Winogo, um, you know, he, he's a big kid, uh, 6'5", 308. He's still raw, still learning the position, but, uh, you know, still, you know, a guy who's very athletic, very uh, gifted uh, with his lateral quickness, um, still needs to work on his hands, inconsistent with his hands and his feet matching up. Um, talked about that with uh, with Josh Jones a little bit, but uh, the athleticism. I think he he's the guy who can end up being a future starter. Um, I think Winogo is is a guy to look for, or Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia. Uh, you know, he's uh, I said he was six eight earlier. He's actually six six, three hundred and fifty pounds. Um, ran a five three two forty. Pretty athletic there on the outside. Thirty five and a half inch arms. Um, if they decide, you know, they want to right tackle and Jermaine Effetti is a free agent, Isaiah Wilson may actually make more sense than, than Winogo, although Dwayne Brown is also a guy who, uh, you know, they may be looking for a, a long-term replacement for him down the road. Um, so either of those guys, I think, at the end of round number two make a ton of sense as well. So those are my first two rounds, my first stab at, at round number two. So you really got to hear that first. I haven't actually even published it yet. And as you can tell, I didn't really proofread it. So um, I guess that's, you know, what happens when you're you're putting a, a, a podcast together live. It just kind of happens. So, um, but anyway, those are the first two rounds. What I plan to do from here on out, we're going to start taking a look at, at some of the teams, some of the team needs, some of the guys that might fit into those team needs, we're going to kind of go team by team. Uh, but that's going to be after the free agent period. You know, Once free agency starts in mid-March, that's really where we want to key in on. So that's when I'm going to really start taking a look at what teams are doing, what are the team needs going to be, 
who's losing guys in free agency and who, where are the pickups coming from? Talked about a lot of teams that have a lot of different choices to make and where they could go with their, their first and second round selections. And I think the, the, the draft uh, picture will get a lot clearer after free agency. So we're not going to wait to release another podcast until then though. So we're going to start taking a look at, at some of these different positions, taking a look at uh, who are the guys that are really starting to stand out throughout the, tr- the pre-draft process. We'll start breaking down some of the positions again and uh, really start ramping up for the draft. And uh, when we get into free agency, like I said, we'll go ahead and go over all of the teams. We'll probably go division by division, talking about each of the teams, releasing podcasts, doing that. And uh, we'll get back into talking about, uh, studying the draft itself. Uh, you know, I, I think that's one of the things when you're looking at some of these different players, who you know, who are the guys who are the developmental guys? Where would they go? You know, somewhere on on day two, some of the guys coming off of day three, um, really having a good feel for where some of these players are going to go. You know, and and when they would come off the board. Um, I didn't have a ton of interior linemen uh, in round number two, but I'm looking at at guys like John Simpson, potentially John Runyon, um, you know, Natani Muti, um, you know, as guys that come off the board in round number three. Um, offensive tackles. You got Matt Pert, uh, the, the the youngster there out of uh, out of Connecticut, who I, I think really came on. Lucas Niang recovering from his injury there out of TCU is another guy um, there at, at the offensive tackle position. Just using that position as an example. Shoot, uh, you know, at center you got Matt Hennessy at a Temple, and, and Ben Bredesen at guard out of Michigan. You know, there are some guys there in, in round number three. You can really find uh, some, some guys who are going to be guys that you can start building some of your your uh, your team around. So we'll break down all of that. We'll take a look at the draft, the ins and outs of this year's draft. Like I said, I want to make sure that you're ready for the draft. So we're going to take a look at things from every angle over the next month and a half or so. It could be longer. You know, we'll see what happens with you know whether or not uh, the league decides to push things out. But I'm not going anywhere. I want to make sure that I keep bringing these podcasts to you so we can get you ready for the NFL draft. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I have been your host, Greg Schutz. I hope you've enjoyed the last couple of hours bringing the content to you. Until next time, everyone, take care. Have a great weekend. Be healthy, be safe, and we'll talk again soon. Take care, everyone, and I am out of here.